This is God's plan that the church would change the world. This is God's plan A, plan number one. This is the play that we're calling. This is the play that God has called, that, that the church is meant to be God's expression here on earth. This is Warrior Podcast, changing the world by introducing warriors to the warrior God. I'm your host, Elizabeth Andrade, and Connor Shanahan is still in Mississippi, but that's okay. Uh, we're remote. So, hey, Connor, how are you? I'm doing great. Thankful for technology. Still missing you guys, missing home, but uh, hanging in there. Air Force is the good life. So the school has been awesome so far. Uh, but again, thankful for technology and eager for the day to get back and uh, get back in the studio because I miss talking through these things with you. Let me ask you a question. Yep. Have you ever had a time or something where you've received like difficult instructions or were unclear on a mission or had a hard time fulfilling the role that was given to you? Yes, I do. Um, this is a, a great source of pain in my life. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone out there, maybe like if there's any other warriors out there or warrior wives out there who, who love plants, but I do, mm. except that I feel that plants don't love me. For example, I'll go out and I'll buy a plant and I'll read the instructions. My husband can attest to this. I will spend hours doing research on how to care for that plant and where to put it in the house. And I will follow the instructions exactly as they are put and the plant dies. So I don't know. I mean, and then there's also like sometimes other people just say different things about the same plant. And then you just I don't know, just doesn't it's not going well for me. I'll say that. That is tough. I, I got to be honest, that's something I don't have experience in, but I would imagine that trying to like facilitate a, watch this alliteration, facilitate a flourishing environment for flora. Whoa. Oh, that was just off the top. That was just off the that top. Was, come on. Where that, did that come that from? That was awesome. Put that on a t-shirt, somebody. We'll sell it for you. Have you ever um, considered a career as a rapper? You know what? That is uh, something I'm working on. Thank you for blowing my secret. I've been working <laughs> on an album. It's going to drop here uh, before the end of 2020. Warrior my... Podcast Records. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing whatever we can to reach the warrior. <laughs> We're totally kidding. I'm not a rapper. But uh, what kind of plants are you rocking with? What kind of plants have, have given up on you? So many. I, I Okay, they say like the aloe vera is the plant that you're not supposed to be able to kill, but I've killed that one like three times. I've also killed you're... many succulents. I think every time you and Madeline come over, I have a different plant out. And then like by the time the next time you guys come over, it's dead already. And there's a different plant. So, so. How dare you kill my succulents? <laughs> I know. I know there's a soft place in your heart for those succulents, but uh, they just I don't like me. Things. Man, that's terrible. That is terrible. That's tough luck. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate you bearing your soul for us here on the Warrior Podcast. Anything for the warrior. Anything for you, warrior. And thankfully today, we are talking about a clear mission. We're not talking about something, I mean, difficult, sure, but simple, right? Like, this isn't necessarily an easy mission, but it's at least simple because it's clearly defined and it's given to us by one who has authority, by one who will help us carry it out. So today in our series, as we continue through the story of the Bible, we are talking about our mission here on earth. Last week, we concluded talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, what he did. And now we're going to talk about what he asks us to do or what he commissions us to do. Before we do that, though, Elizabeth, can I put you on the spot sure. and ask you to recite the story of the Bible for us? Yes, I sure can. I've been practicing this. 
nice i hope you two warrior have been practicing right that was a homework assignment a couple of podcasts ago so man we forgot to follow up we're like that substitute teacher that just forgot to collect the homework yeah we're, we're working on this we're getting better that's right a couple episodes down the road we'll have it down um okay <laughs> but, but the story of the bible is that god created a wonderful world it was good he created it in every aspect to be able to flourish however man messed that up disobeyed god which brought sin into the world and that broke the cosmos, the whole creation is broken because of that man who was Adam's act of sinfulness. God doesn't give up on us, though. He does promise a hero, and the hero was Jesus Christ, who came, who was fully man, fully God, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and resurrected. Now he's in heaven ruling and reigning, and one day he will come again, and creation will be restored to God as the way that he intended from the beginning. Preach! That's an A+. Plus. That's Thank an A plus on the homework assignment. Well done, friend. Thank you. Uh, so last week we talked about the pinnacle point in the story of the Bible, which was the hero has arrived, who is Jesus Christ, and he died for our sins. And now what? If we believe in Jesus, why don't we just get, you know, sucked up into heaven? Yeah, that honestly, it's a valid question. It might sound silly to some, but that's a valid question. Like if, if the mission of Jesus was to restore us and reconcile us to God, once that happens, once we profess our belief and faith in him and are then reconciled to God, what do we do? Right. Like, But there are clear instructions, thankfully. We do have clear instructions. Perhaps the uh, clearest instructions that we receive from the Lord Jesus himself comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Would you mind reading that for us? Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you, always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. I feel like that lays everything out for us. It, it really does, honestly. I mean, this is like a a step-by-step -step process of what we are to do. Let me throw in just a quick for free little golden nugget for you. This is one of my favorite passages to preach. And I really love looking at just what's happening here in 17 and 18, where his disciples, remember the context, right? Number one rule for Bible, for Bible reading is context. Here, Jesus has already died, right? He's already died. He was crucified on a cross and buried in a grave. And now he has resurrected and he appears to his disciples. And so obviously, like their doubt is natural. They're like, uh, definitely saw you crucified. Definitely saw you put in a grave. Not sure what to do with you standing in front of me right now. But I think the point, though, is in 17 when they said, but some doubted. I think it's significant to note that Jesus doesn't necessarily address their doubts. Instead, he immediately says, all authority has been given to me. And I think that that's so pertinent. I think that's so relevant for the life of the believer because doubt is so natural. Doubt is so normal. And I know so many believers who struggle with doubt, who struggle to believe in this supernatural story that the scriptures testify to. But in those moments of doubt, like even if the Lord himself doesn't meet with you and address every little subpoint of doubt that you're struggling with, the message of Jesus, like the picture painted in this passage is almost like Jesus just lifting his disciples' eyes onto him, right? Right. Jesus tells them, even in your moments of doubt, look at me, look at me, I'm in control. I have all authority. I am ruling and reigning on your behalf. 
and uh, life is found in my presence. Look to me. I just love that picture that I think is painted here in this passage of Jesus lifting the disciples' eyes, his doubting disciples unto him and say, hey, look at me. Look at me and, and find life in my name because I have authority and power over all things. So just a little free nugget for you. If you've, if you've struggled with doubt, meditate on that. Reflect on that and on what it means for Jesus to lift the disciples' head here and what it means for Jesus to have authority over all things. That's so great, Connor, and that's so true. I think doubt is just something that I think everybody experiences. I mean, really, yeah. if we're honest, like I think that's you know maybe just even a part of being human and just the fact that like God, instead of, shaming or teaching or Jesus lifts their heads up to lifts the disciples heads up to him and just says look at me focus on me and I, I think that's just that's just such a beautiful picture of of the Christian walk you know yeah absolutely that's well said God can handle it right God can handle your definitely doubts. yeah you, definitely you feel no shame you should feel no guilt in struggling with with some of these doctrines or struggling in, in belief in Jesus himself like God knows that and God can handle that God doesn't want you just to figure it out all on your own and then come to him when you're ready. God wants to walk with you. He wants to meet you where you are and minister to you right there. And I think that's important. And that's important to know because also as we continue now to transition and talk about uh, the mission that Jesus gives us, it's important to note that in this mission, it's a simple mission. Like we said, it's not necessarily easy. Right. But the truth here, it's, it's framed. Jesus is clear to say at first, Listen, I have authority over all things in heaven and on earth. Therefore, in my name, as an extension of my authority, here's what you're going to go do. And so what is the first step, per se, of this mission, the Great Commission? Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be cool to break this down in terms of just a few steps from some of the key words that we see here. Right. And in verse 19, the first word is simple, go. That's pretty simple. I mean, you can't misunderstand that, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty simple in the sense that what Jesus is saying here is take this message that I have given you. Remember, he's talking to the disciples here. Right. And the disciples have heard his teachings, have walked with him. They have received blessing upon blessing from the Lord. They have written his word down so they know the scriptures. And Jesus is saying, you need to now go and take that message to your neighborhood and take that message to the nations. So what, what does that look like for us today? If we're Christians today, what does that look like for us? Sure. I, I think that there is sometimes a pressure to feel like when we talk about the Great Commission, you have to go to the nations. You have to go to Africa and Asia, and you have to go on these expensive and mission trips. mission trips, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's just not true. Like those are good for, you know, we could talk about mission strategies, right? But there's nothing wrong with going on mission trips. But the, the call and really the invitation of Jesus here is to live your life in a posture of of mission so that whether you are in your school whether you are in your job whether you are in your neighborhood whether you are in your family your mission is to go your mission is to engage with the people around you whether that's again in your backyard or across the world your mission is to engage with the people around you and then to follow the steps that we're going to continue to walk in that Jesus tells us here. And so the next step would be to make disciples. That's actually the very next, like it's in the same sentence. It's go and make disciples. Yeah, they go hand in hand. Yeah. Hand in hand. We are to go. We are to be a, a people who have this posture of missions, who are looking to engage with people. And what we do when we engage with people, again, whether it's our school, our family, our workplace, wherever, is we look to make disciples of them. And so I think it would be important to note, like what? What is a disciple? It's a great question. It definitely needs to be defined. I think I think a disciple is one who believes in the deity of Jesus Christ, who delights in Jesus Christ, and who lives their life 
submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Like, I know there's a place for going and like just speaking. That's more of like evangelism. But I, I think mm-hmm. like also like making disciples is more than just, I mean, evangelism is definitely important, but there also needs to be an aspect of like kind of like meeting people where they are and walking with them. Yes. Building relationships and pushing people towards Christ. That's spot on. Often, yeah, often the Great Commission gets taught as like an evangelistic charge, right? Like go and preach the gospel. And while sure, that's a good thing on paper, at least, that's not what the text says. Yeah. The text says go and, and make disciples. And so if we're talking about holistic discipleship, if we're talking about forming people to know and love and delight and submit to Jesus, that often takes time. That often takes genuine relationships. I mean, if you look at Jesus, his disciples, he spent a lot of a lot of time with them, walking with them, and they traveled with him, and he was teaching them a lot. Exactly. Life on life, right? Jesus was, over a long period of time, through genuine relationship, was uh, shaping them and forging them and molding them into disciples. So would you say that's kind of our responsibility now, is to try to, you know, just kind of find people who are around us and just lovingly guide them towards Jesus. I couldn't put it any better myself. Absolutely. And certainly like, and as we're going to talk about with a, with another point coming up here, certainly like evangelism is a part of that. Evangelism and discipleship are are in the same coin. Right. But just as we like, my personal conviction is, so we're obviously recording this while well, I'm in Mississippi right now. Unfortunately, we would normally be recording this in Dallas, Texas. Right. Well, I'm in Dallas, Texas. I know you are. You're holding <laughs> it down. You're holding it down for us. But uh, so we're in the United States. And as the United States continues to become more and more of a secular nation, which it will, we're only going to have a harder time with just pure evangelism. Right. Right. And so to even think of evangelism and discipleship as two separate things, I personally, my conviction, I think that's unhelpful. Hmm. And I don't think that the scriptures even really paint it that way. I think that a holistic relational discipleship is kind of the ideal. And that will only become more important as people in our nation, in our context, grow more secular, grow more opposed to the gospel. And also just as people don't have like the fundamental presuppositions, when you say Jesus loves you, you know, it's only going to become more common for people to say, what? Who are you talking about? What is Jesus? Who is Jesus? They're not going to think of the same God that we're thinking of when we proclaim the good news. So it it definitely will often take time to teach and shape and mold and encourage and engage people where they are, understanding their background, understanding their stories, and helping them to find their place in God's redemptive story. I think that's the key. If If I could sum it up, is to meet people where they are, understand their life story, and then help them connect their life story with this story, the story of the Bible. That's great. I like the way you put that. So then after we make disciples, uh, the next step here in Matthew 28 says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. And, and we think that's significant, of course. So as we are helping people connect their life story into the story of the Bible, as people come to know and delight and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we then want to encourage them and help them take that next step of obedience, which is baptism. So what is baptism? What does that mean? What? How does it work? When does it happen? Yeah, I mean, could wait into a bit of controversy, I guess, if we're going to wait into the infant baptism versus believer's baptism divide. We're not going to do that necessarily today. Presbyterians and Baptists can can fellowship together and listen to Warrior Podcast, and we can all worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But we'll keep it simple and say that baptism is 
a public profession or declaration of your faith. And it's more than that, too. It's also a rehearsal of God's story. It's a rehearsal of the story of the Bible, that every time someone is baptized into water, then they are declaring that their old self, their flesh, their sin is dying and that they are being raised to life. They're being redeemed and restored and reconciled to God by, by coming up out of that lifestyle of sin or, or out of their flesh. And so in that is a rehearsal of the story of the Bible that God makes all things new, that God in Christ restores the wrongdoing and sin of Adam through the obedience and grace and the ministry of Jesus Christ. So I think that that's, those are two things I would point out for baptism, that it's, it's a public declaration of faith, yes and amen. It's also a rehearsal of God's story by declaring that the sin of Adam that we're born into is dead and we are raised to newness of life in Jesus Christ. I also see in this verse, we see the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we do. And we always want to make a big deal about that here at Warrior Podcast, right? So that's, that's what we are being baptized into is the triune fellowship of our God. We are being baptized into the triune fellowship that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have enjoyed for all of eternity. The triune God is inviting us to participate in their fellowship, inviting us to participate and be redeemed into abundant life now and eternal life with them. And, uh, and that's an important point, that we are being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so then after baptizing, we are now ready to move to the next step, which is teaching. Yes. And I think to be fair, I think teaching falls like this goes hand in hand with the discipleship process. I think that's what we were trying to make the point of. Right. It's important to one of our convictions that I don't know if we've talked about this. I believe we have talked about this on the podcast before, but at WGM, one of our convictions here is that every Christian is a theologian. Yes, we have. Right? Yes, we have talked about that. So just like every Marine in the Marine Corps is trained to be a rifleman, and that's why that branch has such a reputation in combat. In the same way, every Christian is a theologian. That can because, be, I mean, that can be life-changing. Like, I've, I've never thought of myself as a theologian. And you are. You are, Elizabeth. You are literally a theologian. Because what it means to be a theologian is to have a thought about God, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. what theology is. It's thoughts and words ascribed to God to understand God. So if you're a Christian, you have had thoughts about God, and you are a theologian. The question, then, is how seriously do you take your task as a theologian? And so that's part of the discipleship process is to help people understand who God is, to help people understand the scriptures, to help people understand how God has worked throughout history and how we can expect God to work in our lives, how we can expect God to work in the future. And that's theology. That is theology. And so that's a, that's a crucial part of this mission is for every Christian to embrace their calling as a theologian, to take that seriously within themselves, and then to disciple people in theology, to disciple people in their knowledge and belief in Jesus. Well, and I, I think um, a common idea or thought or question that's so prevalent to today, especially to maybe, for example, military members who are, you know, coming out of service, trying to integrate into civilian life, civilian job. I think one of the, the prevalent questions is like, well, what do I do with my life? I mean, you know, I think we can all relate to that question in some sense. What do I do with my life? Yeah. You know, what's my purpose? What does God will for my life? Well, and I think it's, it's very clear here that, you know, if we do these things, our job is this, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. If we do this with all of our hearts, you know, loving and wanting to know more about God and doing our jobs as theologians, we can't be doing anything wrong. So well said. And that's such an important point. So many people struggle with that question. What do I do with my life? What's God's will for my life? And this is it. 
You're so right, Elizabeth. This is it. This is God's mission for you, warrior. Your mission is to go, to make disciples, to baptize people, to teach people. And that might sound overwhelming, but we have to remember and we have to root ourselves in the opening line that Jesus gives us, that all authority has been given to him, to Jesus in heaven and on earth. So we're not alone in this mission, and we are going out on this mission under the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and further, this plan is not meant to be carried out alone, ever. This plan is never meant to be carried out alone. In fact, this is a corporate mission, a corporate purpose that the Lord has given to his church. One place in scripture that we see this idea confirmed that we're not, you know, we're not alone in this, we're not supposed to be alone in this, is in Ephesians 3, 8 through 10. Um, which says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So, so catch that. Don't miss that that point in verse 10 where, again, this is the Apostle Paul here reading out of, of Ephesians where Paul says that, that God's plan for teaching, for wisdom, for discipleship, for God's wisdom to be revealed is through the church. And honestly, if we look at the context of Matthew 28, that is Jesus establishing the church. That is Jesus sending out his disciples as a gathered group of people unified around his mission to go out and change the world. This is God's plan that the church would change the world. This is God's plan A, plan number one. This is the play that we're calling. This is the play that God has called, that, that the church is meant to be God's expression here on earth now. Jesus has commissioned us to do that in the Great Commission, and here we see Paul confirm that, that God's wisdom and we can throw in teaching and discipleship with that, is meant to be made known to the world through the church. And so let me just quickly answer the question, what is the church? There is like, uh, if you're familiar at all with the Apostles' Creed, right? One of the lines that trips people up in the Apostles' Creed is, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. But what that word Catholic means there is not Roman Catholic. What it means is universal. So a universal Catholic, capital C, church. And what that is, is just God's people for all of time. Sounds like the body of Christ. Exactly. The body of Christ. All believers for all of time belong to the capital C church. And that capital C church is just God's people. Beyond that, then we have the local church. And what a local church is most simply is a, a local expression of the capital C church. And so a local church is a gathering of believers in one place, assembled around the mission given to us by Jesus Christ. And so this local church, again, a local expression of the capital C church, a local expression of God's people, is meant to be the family, is meant to be a kingdom, is meant to be a little embassy through which God will make known his wisdom to the world. So as we consider our mission, as we consider the Great Commission, we must remember you're never meant to do it alone. You're not meant to be alone. You're not, you're not meant to fulfill this mission alone, but that God has designed things to work in such a way where his people will gather together in a local expression of his universal church in order to accomplish this mission. And every member playing a part as well. There's a huge emphasis on that throughout scripture. I mean, if you read First Corinthians like 10 through the end of the letter, Paul is talking about unity. He's talking about unity in the church 
and the fact that every member of a local church, every person who belongs to that local expression of God's people has a vital role to play. So, so often, like when we talk about the Great Commission, when we talk about evangelism and discipleship and teaching and baptizing, we think in our minds, oh, that, that's not my job. That's my pastor's job. That's, that's what my pastor does. When in reality, the scripture says the opposite. The scripture says negative. That's your job. That's what Jesus Christ himself has commissioned you to do alongside and within and out of the expression of the local church. And I'm going to continue here and I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the mission. And what Paul says, that's kind of that's kind of backwards, isn't it, from how we would understand it today? Right, because I think so many times, like, we go to church and we just sit and we say, well, you know, I'm just, I, I'm nobody, you know, or I'm not a pastor, so what can I do, you know? But clearly right. in Scripture, we see that the pastor's job is to equip us, the members, to do the work. Correct. Correct. That's what the, that's what Paul says. That's what the scripture says, that the gifts of, of being a pastor and a teacher are given so that they might equip the saints for the work of ministry, so that they, they might equip the saints for the service of the local church. And so we would, we would frame this and just kind of back up, provide maybe a big picture overview that, that God's mission for you is to belong to a local church. And we know that that's tough, and we know that that's hard because people are messy. And anytime a group of people are gathered together, that's a difficult thing. But the invitation of God for you to be transformed, for you to be discipled, for you to grow as a theologian, and for you to grow in your understanding of what it means to find joy in God is to be plugged into a local church, which is just a local gathering, a local expression of what God has been doing throughout all of time. God has always been working amongst his people. God has always been a God of order and gathered his people together and, and equipped leaders to lead his people. And so the invitation of God is, is to plug in, to plug into a messy community that will definitely frustrate you, that will definitely let you down. But understand that God has invited you to play a role, that God has invited you. The purpose of our lives now in light of the ministry of Christ is to plug into a local expression of God's people and to live out our role to play our part in God's mission to use the church to bring wisdom and teaching and discipleship to the world and to the nations. And so there's the answer to why we don't just get sucked up into heaven after salvation. Yeah, God's got big things for you. God has big things for you, warrior. And in that warriors, like I, I understand that, that so often for us, so often for military members, for law enforcement officers, for first responders, man, we like to be independent right? We enjoy the fact that we are strong and sometimes to a fault. Sometimes we enjoy the fact that we are strong so much that we're afraid to let other people in emotionally. Sometimes we enjoy the fact that we're strong so much that we refuse to submit to the authority of other people, that we refuse to participate in gatherings of people. And while I, I understand that, I sympathize with that, I empathize with that, I feel those natural desires myself. I've also been able to experience the joy that comes by living out the mission that God has called you to. I've also been able to experience the joy of being accepted and belonging to a messy group of people. That's going to frustrate you and let you down. No group of people will ever be perfect. 
We know that in the military, we know that as a first responder, but even in the church, we know that no church will ever be perfect. No group of people will ever be free from mess. And yet the invitation for you to flourish, the invitation of you to grow, the invitation of you to be connected, to be supported in good times and in bad, a local church is the group of people that God has commissioned to gather around you, to help you, and also to help you find your purpose to find God's will for your life. So I hope that makes sense. And as we close here, I'd like to just read a quote from a theologian called Barth, who says this about the church. And I think that this is crucial for, for understanding the mission of the church and understanding our role to play in this. And this is what Karl Barth says. The church exists to set up in the world a new sign which is radically dissimilar to the world's own manner and which contradicts it in a way that is full of promise. And so this is the purpose of the church. We are meant to be kind of a weird people, right? We know that especially as we've talked about in, in the growing secularization of America and the 21st century, being a person who attends church, being a person not only who just attends church, but who belongs to a church, who lives out their crucial role as an integral member of that church, that's going to be weird. And our, uh, our heart, WGM, is to tell you, yeah, it is weird. It is weird and it is going to be weird, but that, but that is God's mission for us. Our mission is to be a group of weird people who are radically dissimilar to the world, who are dissimilar to the things that are going on around us in culture, and yet we are to contradict culture in such a way that is full of promise. We are not meant to be angry and to be judgmental and to be cursing and shouting down people for being off. We are to be invitational. We are to invite people to find the flourishing and joy that's available in Jesus Christ. And our mission as a collective body is to display the goodness of God, the name of God, so that people can be saved in God to the world. That's our mission. So uh, we are meant to be a people who flourish, that is to live our lives in obedience to the way that God has designed all things to work, that's going to be countercultural. That's going to be weird. Instead of running from that, warriors, let us embrace that weirdness, but let us leverage it in a way that's winsome. Let us leverage our weirdness in a way that is invitational and inviting other people to find the path of flourishing that God has ordained for us. Thank you for listening to us. If you want to trust in Christ, or if you want to learn more about making Him the authority over your life, or if you want to learn more about us, send us a message on our Instagram at WGMHQ. That's WGMHQ. We will make sure that someone gets in touch with you. This has been Warrior Podcast with Connor Shanahan. Warrior God Ministries' mission is to change the world by making disciples among military members and first responders and equipping them to be disciple makers and missionaries in their respective communities for the glory of Jesus Christ.